0: We are gathered together this hour in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are here to worship him. When we look in Matthew chapter 28, we see uh, that the disciples were gathered together. They gathered on a mountainside. They gathered and worshipped. You see that in verses 16 and 17. They gathered as Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. The one who died on the cross between two thieves. The one who was the the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. The one who triumphed over death and left the tomb empty for the women to find early on the first day of the week. He met with his disciples. The focus in Matthew 28 is verse 11 tells us, not verse 11, uh, the, the focus in Matthew 28 is on the 11, the 11, the 12 minus Judas. But verse 7 tells us that the angel had said to the woman, he goeth before you unto Galilee there ye shall see him. So whilst this gospel particularly references in verse 16, the 11, it is clear that there were many others there too on that occasion. And it's quite possible that this was the time when above 500 were gathered, which the Apostle Paul tells us of. In 1 Corinthians 15, Jesus had called his disciples together to prepare them for their future, for living out their lives for his glory after his ascension. And so it is that we are gathered together And we have daily lives to be lived. We spend time here. But then we go out, we go home. We have many other responsibilities in the week. Just as Jesus was preparing his disciples. So this time of worship... Is a time of preparation for every other aspect of our regular lives. It is good for us to hear and learn what Jesus said. I want you to notice in particular we haven't got time to to draw out everything that's in this passage so we just have to Touch upon a few points. Verse 18, Jesus said, All power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. This is a simple statement of fact. Jesus in his divinity The eternal Son always had power. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 we read, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things. Consists. He had glory with the Father before his incarnation, which he refers to in his great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. But he, he voluntarily laid aside the independent use and display Of this, as Philippians 2, verses 5 to 7, tell us, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. He laid aside his glory. He restrained the exercise of his power during his incarnation. But after his death and resurrection, he has been exalted. He has been given a name which is above every name. He came to save. He will come again to judge. Matthew 25 verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations and he shall separate them one from another. As a shepherd divideth his sheep From the goats. He stood in humility before Pilate. He submitted to the judgment of wicked men who took him and nailed him to a cross. Putting that great accusation above him. The king Of the Jews. But he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. And now he is exalted on high. In Revelation chapter 5, we see something of this exaltation, this adoration. Revelation 5 verse 12, where the multitudes Surround the throne and say, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Jesus won the victory on the cross. He rose in triumph from the tomb. He is alive. He is exalted. He has all authority and he is carrying out his promise. Remember how he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, We are met together today in the name of Jesus Christ. He who is alive, he who has all power, all authority. Secondly, let us see that he calls upon us to proclaim his truth widely. Verse 19. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Go and teach all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations. In the light of his authority, Jesus commands us, to proclaim the good news to every nation and to make disciples wherever we are. The disciples saw Jesus. When they saw him, they worshipped. That was very good, very appropriate. But It is not all we are here for. Meeting together is essential. Hebrews 10 verse 25 should always ring in our ears, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. However, We are not here as some sort of private members' club. We're not here as some sort of religious community separated from the world around us. And we are not to be people who only express our hope in Jesus whilst we're gathered together privately. We're not to be people who only ever Deal with the subject of God, his holiness, his law, his grace and his mercy. Whilst we're in these four walls, we are here to be witnesses for Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are here to proclaim his wonderful truths to tell people. Why Jesus came and died on that cross to declare that he rose in triumph from the tomb. The facts of who Jesus is, what he has done and what he has taught in his word of truth are to compel us to witness in a world around us. Go. Therefore, and teach. We are to be constrained by the love of Christ. We are to be moved with compassion for people like us, who are like sheep without a shepherd, making uh, disciples means explaining what God's word says. Telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done, why he died, why he rose again. And showing them that apart from faith in Christ, they are hopeless sinners before the angry God. They will have to bear the wages of sin. They will have to bear the punishment due to them. Fairly and squarely. All by themselves. But they. If they repent and believe. Will be saved. Will be redeemed. Will be set free. Will receive new life. In Christ. We. We are faced with a problem today in the world. Our modern culture has rejected God's standards of right and wrong. Many sins have been redefined as acts of love. Yet we know that God has not changed. His law, his word, has not altered. He has defined what is right and what is wrong. Just look at the Ten Commandments. They encompass every area of life in principle. Many of our society's problems today stem directly from this rejection of God's principles. Many suffer from the consequences of repressing the truth in unrighteousness. They suffer the consequences from repressing the feelings of guilt that should be theirs for breaking God's law, for trying to pretend that everything is wonderful when they are facing disaster. The consequences of sinful actions are seen all around. To take one very simple example, people who get drunk with alcohol suffer from hangovers. And if they do it regularly, very often, they will damage and destroy various parts of their bodies. Car accidents, people dying because of people driving whilst intoxicated. These things happen. It's a very simple demonstration of the consequences of sin in our world. People can see it with respect to driving cars. But they don't see it in personal relationships. They don't see it in every area of life. We are not here to minimise sin. We are not here to excuse sin. We are here to explain to people... that God is holy. We are here to call upon people to repent and believe, to show them the good news that Jesus died to save sinners on that cross. If you see someone running into danger, it's an act of love. To call out to them. To stop and turn round. We have the only message of grace and hope in the world today. The only answer to the world's big problems. There is forgiveness, a new life for all who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Jesus calls upon us to live out a life of witness. We can see Matthew 28 verse 19, go therefore and teach all nations. We can see that as just about missionaries. It includes those who go to foreign lands, but it also includes us here and now. The disciples were to begin in Jerusalem and Judea and then to carry that witness outwards. We are gathered here in the Isle of Man, so our witness must begin here. Sadly, today, I venture to suggest that most people about us know almost nothing about who Jesus is and why he died on the cross. God's law has somehow come to be seen as hateful and restrictive, when actually his law expresses holiness and perfect love. It is our responsibility to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to those who are around us, to call upon people to repent and believe, or to follow Jesus. We're not here to try with some, entertainment or trickery to get people into church. We are here to inform and instruct, to be salt and light, to sow the seed, to plant, to water, and to look to the Lord to give the increase. Our Lord is glorified through the preaching of the gospel Second Corinthians chapter two verse fourteen. Now thanks be unto God which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge by us in every place. It's a challenge, isn't it, actually? In your daily life, are you bringing that sweet aroma of Christ with you? Do people think of Jesus when he meets you, hear you talk? Or would they be surprised to know that you're in church on the Lord's Day? Verse 15, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ in them that are saved and in them that perish. To the one we are the savour of death unto death and to the other the savour of life unto life. And who is sufficient for these things? Our heart's desire as the Apostle Paul said, for his people. My heart's desire for Israel is that they should be saved. So our desire should be to see people saved. We've seen that Christ has all power. He's called upon us to proclaim. But thirdly, let us note his promised his presence. Verse 20, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen we can proclaim his truth with confidence because he has promised us his presence. When the Lord Jesus was with his disciples during his earthly ministry, his presence was limited geographically. Before he was arrested, he promised them that he would pray the Father and he would give another comforter. One who would come alongside and help. One who would strengthen them. Another, another of the same type. Another of the same kind. Another who would do the same work that he had done with his disciples. John 14 verse 16, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. I will not leave you as if you were orphans. I will come to you. The promise of his coming is clearly seen in his resurrection. We see that as he met with them in Matthew 28 on that mountain. But as John MacArthur says, in another sense, this is a reference to the mystery of the Trinity through the coming and indwelling of the Holy Spirit of Pentecost. Jesus would be back Paul says in Romans 8 verse 9, Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The triune nature of God is clearly taught in Scripture. Deuteronomy 6 verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That's an absolute truth. However, Scripture also makes clear that there are three who are God. One God. Three persons. Blessed Trinity. And we see that in verse 19 of Matthew 28. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. is reminiscent of our Lord's own baptism, where the Holy Spirit descended upon the Son and the voice of the Father was heard. Three persons, one God, one God, three persons. It is by the presence of the Holy Spirit that we have Christ with us today. We must never lose sight of Christ's presence with us. We must never lose sight of the fact that He has called upon us to be witnesses because He has all power, all authority. We are here uh, to witness to His wondrous truth. This age, this time, It is not some sort of gap between his ascension into heaven and his coming again. This is the day of grace when through the witness of his disciples and the work of the Holy Spirit, the word of God accomplishes his purpose. He is building his church. Every day, our lives are to be a time of going, of living out our lives as unto the Lord, whatever we are doing, of seeking to make disciples. We gather for the ministry of the word, for the breaking of bread, for prayer and fellowship. But then we go out, to live our lives amongst the people around us. To proclaim Jesus Christ as the only hope for sinners. The only hope for you. I have to ask you, what about you? Have you repented? And believed, have you come and worshiped the risen saviour? Is Jesus Christ your Lord? He died on the cross. He was buried, but he rose in triumph on the third day. Let us, by his grace, proclaim his good news. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm a sinner. I am trusting in his finished work at Calvary. Jesus is my Lord. We have that assurance. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen.